Hey guys, welcome back. For our final lesson today, we're going to be looking at perhaps the most essential aspect of poetry in terms of its craft, and that's the line. Before we get started though, if you want to learn and know more about line and how the line itself functions, I encourage you to read Rebecca Hazelton's essay, Learning the Poetic Line, which you can find on your suggested readings list. Okay. As poets, it's really important that we understand the various ways a line can be used. A line is the basic unit of a poem. Think of a poem as a house. You have your images, your sound, your diction, as we've talked about, and you put all these things together to make little rooms, which is actually the word stanza. Instead of a paragraph, we call it stanza. It actually comes from the Italian word meaning little room. We build these little rooms and we build these little entryways and we try to construct something that can house and hold all of our ideas. The line then is the basic unit of support. It's the bricks, the pieces of wood, the beams that are in the house. And without strong lines, without those bricks and without those pieces of wood and those beams, the house, and in essence the poem, can come crumbling down. A line isn't something we often think about, and we have to start thinking about it now. The more that we read and the more we write poetry, if we understand the line and how it functions, just like we talked about with imagery, with figurative language, and with sound, we'll be better able to get our ideas across to the reader and be more successful with the work we create. So what, in the end, is a line? A line is simply a fragment of text used in poetry that allows the reader to amplify sound, images, and meaning. We say that it allows the reader to amplify those things because the writer is amplifying them. When I read a strong line break, as a reader, I can start recognizing things that are being put uh, into more importance or that have more emphasis, but that starts with the writer making those decisions. There are different types of lines we want to consider. And I'm going to go over two of them, and then again, we're going to look at some of these examples in some poems in a minute. The first type of line that we're going to notice is called the enjammed line. An enjammed line is simply a line that does not end with punctuation and can't be understood as an independent idea. Essentially, it carries over. And if you think about the importance of that as a writer, if you want your reader to stop and really think about what you just said, you might not want to use an enjammed line. If, however, you want to pull them through and entice them to keep reading, using an enjammed line will do that. So what is that other type of line called? It's actually called an end-stopped line. And an end-stopped line is a line that does end with some kind of punctuation, or the line can be understood as a complete thought. So now that we know enjammed lines, and end stop lines. And we know how important the line is. Some of you might be asking, well, what are the rules then? How, how do I do this successfully? Here's the good news. There are no rules about when to break lines, but we always want to consider one really important thing. As mentioned a minute ago, the line is another way that you as the poet can direct the readers to understand a meaning or feeling. Because of this, you want to be aware of what energy you gain 
if you use a long, rolling, continuous line, like say Walt Whitman uses, if you've read any Whitman, versus using something that's more short and choppy like Robert Creeley, who's a poet we'll look at in a minute. Now, the results of the line break are also important to think about. It's not just that it's gonna give the reader a particular meaning, dramatically so at times, it's gonna help us understand you in a particular way if you break the line in certain aspects. But it's also gonna change the physical reading, the actual sound of the way that I read the poem, the thing that I hear in my head as I'm reading it on the page of how your reader engages with your work. When you get to a line break, we want to give a slight hesitation as we read. Some readers don't do this all the time, but for the purposes of this exercise, when I read these poems, I'm going to extenuate uh, that pause and I'm going to actually uh, make it a little more dramatic. The thing about the line in the end is that you as a poet are not always gonna be in the room with me as a reader when I'm engaging with your work. So because of that, you wanna use images that help drive me one way. And you want to use figurative language that stays in my mind and unpacks the poem's meaning for me in one way. And then you want to use rhyme in ways when you want the poem to sing. And you want to use sound so I remember certain phrases. But then you also use the line breaks. Because the line breaks can make me stop. Or they can make me keep going so I don't stop. And if there's no punctuation and there's no break, I'm just going with the line and it's moving so quickly. And that can show me some type of energy, anxiety, etc. But for you to be in control of how I hear your poem, for you to be in control of how I read it, you have to use the line break. So lines will help us highlight our craft. And in the end, that's what we want. So let's look at a couple examples. The first piece we're going to look at is one of my most favorite poems. Now again, I'm going to read it. It's called The Language by Robert Creeley. And I'm going to really pause kind of dramatically at the end of each line. But I want you to take note of what's happening. Simply looking at the poem, you're going to see they're pretty short lines, most of which are only a couple words. But hear what happens as I read the piece, and then we'll have a brief discussion. The language. Locate I love you somewhere in teeth and eyes. Bite it, but take care not to hurt. You want so much, so little. Words say everything. I love you again, then what is emptiness for to fill, fill? I heard words and words full of holes, aching. Speech is a mouth. Now what's happening here? We're going to walk through it, and I want you to keep in mind the precision with which Creeley decided to break these lines. The first line is not locate I love you. The first line is locate I, which now has a double meaning. It's locate I, so it's locate the self, but it's in jammed. So now the line pulls us to the next, and it's actually locate I love you. 
And then look at what that next line says. Love you some. Well, love you a little bit. Is that what the line is actually saying? No. The line is saying, love you somewhere. Love you somewhere. Love you somewhere in. And it keeps going teeth and eyes. So every time we think we know what the phrase, the line is saying, we're pulled into the next line. And it's a new meaning that's suddenly revealed to us. Locate I love you somewhere in teeth and eyes. Bite it, but take care not. And then look at that line. To hurt you. Later, there's another one. Little words. Later, there's another one. Aching speech. The more you spend time with this poem, you realize this is not just a poet who's breaking lines because he wants it to look like a poem. He's breaking the lines because he wants you as a reader to read with hesitation. Because what is the speaker trying to do? One could argue the speaker is trying to say words that are sometimes difficult. What are those words? I love you. If you've ever tried to say that to somebody and you're not sure how they're going to respond, or you're not sure how you yourself feel, it can be really terrifying. So instead of just telling us that, instead of saying, saying I love you is really hard, he physically gives that to us by breaking it up. He can't give it to us. Locate I love you somewhere in. And then we get the double meaning. Love you some, and again later, uh, to hurt you. Because what can love do once we say it? And once that person says it back, now if I do something negative, if I let them down, I can hurt them even more and they can hurt me. Because once I've opened up my heart, now someone else can do something terrible with it. So it's a nerve-wracking thing to say. And what is love? Again, it's, it's little words. And Creeley gets that in here. But the fact that he makes us hesitate for each line with the enjambed line, breaking these lines in ways we wouldn't typically read, there's no other way to engage with it than to hear that stutter, that sense of hesitation, that inability to get the words out because what the speaker is trying to say is hard. Now, way back at the beginning when we started talking about image, I said, think about a concert. Think about some place you could go to uh, and a place you have been, I should say, that you remember everything around you and then you try to retell that to a speaker and I said, or to a reader. And I said, you could probably tell me all about the concert. But wouldn't I rather have been there with you? Wouldn't I rather have heard the music myself? Line breaks are another way for you to not just tell me something. For you to allow yourself to imply a meaning by breaking the line and giving me, as a reader, a way of understanding what you're actually feeling, what you want me to feel, without ever saying it. You're showing it to me. In your poems, feel free to break lines to create that sense of hesitation, urgency, joy even. And feel free to allow the line breaks to help us gain meaning from the poem rather than the actual words you're trying to give us. The lines themselves can function in that way.